lovely to be back again with you in Kelswater Reformed Presbyterian Church this morning. As we just focus our minds upon our worship, Psalm 77, verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord, surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison. That is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is Bedellium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidikel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And you're never too far away from a river. Even just down the side of the church here, there is a river. Is it called the Kells Water River? Is it called the Kells Water? It'll have a name anyway. And even if you live in Ballymena, you know that the river Braid runs through Ballymena. Through Grace Hill, Collybaggy, the River Main. Being from Lisburn, I live not too far away from the, the river that runs through there, the River Lagan. So the first man lived beside a river that went through the the Garden of Eden. It was one of those features that God gave to man was a river. And even it divided into uh, four streams, four rivers. And we read about them. A river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. Uh, the Pison, uh, the Gihon, 
the Hidikel, the Euphrates. We still have the Euphrates with us today, the Euphrates River that runs through Baghdad in Iraq, one of the oldest rivers of the world. Uh, no doubt its geography has since changed uh, since the flood. Things would have changed. Uh, the, the meandering of a river I would have greatly changed. But the Euphrates is mentioned. Uh, there are biblical rivers. There, there's the River Jordan still there in, in the land of Israel and so on. The River Nile in Egypt where Moses was hidden for three at a three months old. So there's something to be learned from rivers this morning. The first man Adam lived beside and depended on a river. One has said that rivers are the most significant of the earth's land surface. More than any other agent on it, they've influenced both the nature of the landscape and the location of human settlement. The speed and volume of their flow determine sites for irrigation and hydroelectric projects, just as their channels have determined routes for exploration, inland navigation and trade. Countries of the world have well-known rivers. There's the Amazon in Brazil, some 3,000 miles long. The longest river in the world is the Nile, just slightly longer than the River Amazon. There's the Zambezi in Africa. There's the Yangtze in China. There's the Danube and, and Seine in, in Europe. Well-known rivers. And even around Great Britain and Ireland, communities grew up at the mouth of rivers before coming into the sea. In London, you have the Thames, Liverpool, the Mersey, Hull, the Humber, even Belfast, the Lagan, as it opens up into the Irish Sea. So no matter where you live, you're not too far from a river. I want to show you some rivers this morning from God's word that can be parables to us. And we're going to give them a name. We have sung about two of these rivers. In our three Psalms, it has rivers. And if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to these rivers, there are six rivers I want to leave with you this morning. And we'll call this the river satisfaction. Psalm 36, verses 7 and 8. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. 
Now, I cannot take you to that river this morning in a literal geographical sense. There's nowhere on earth where this river flows. It's a figurative river. It's a spiritual river. And I've called it the river satisfaction. Speaking here about the people of God. Those who put their trust under the shadow of his wings. Those who are sheltered and safe and secure. They shall be abundantly satisfied. With the fatness of thy house. With the abundance of thy house. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. This world offers its pleasures. We read in Hebrews 11 of the pleasures of sin that only last for a season. Temporal. Some of you have been saved, have been a Christian for a very long time. I've been a Christian from, I was 11 years of age. It'll be 55 years this, this October. And in all that time, I have drunk from the river of God's pleasures. I don't need anything else. I don't want anything else. Jeremiah talked about God being the fountain of living waters. He talked about those who draw from cisterns, broken cisterns, which can hold no water. What a contrast that is. That's where you're drinking from if you're not a Christian. From broken cisterns that can hold no water. They're never full. No matter how much you pour into them, they're broken. They leak. They, they're never full. But God's river, this river satisfaction, it's never going to dry up. It's never going to be at a, at a low ebb. It's never going to, as some rivers do in a hot spell, uh, dry up into a mere trickle. No, throughout life, no matter what your circumstances, this river stays the same. It's deep. It's full. It's abundant. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. This is the river for the earthly pilgrimage of the Christian. A river that's always full, always fresh, always flowing. You know what it is to come to a river and it's not flowing, it's stagnant and there's a, there's, there can be a scum um, over the surface. There's, there's just not movement um, in it. But a, a river that's always flowing is not going to have a scum. It's always on the move. 
This river is overflowing and ever flowing. As one has said, it communicates its water and yet is never empty. It is fed with springs and fountains and therefore it is no wonder if it is always full. Because the fountainhead is God himself. As I've already said in second or in Jeremiah 2 verse 13, God is the fountain of living waters. If he is the fountain of living waters, then this river that flows from the fountain, from the source, will always be clean and pure and satisfying. We need no no other river. And the Christian life is following the course of this river. And drinking from it. So that is the river. Satisfaction. Psalm 46. Which we uh, sang from. I call this the river Solace. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore will we. Will not we fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. See how the picture changes. We have in verses 2 and, and we have a great chaos. The earth being removed. The mountains being carried into the midst of the sea. Maybe by, by an earthquake or a tsunami. And nowadays with mobile phones and so on, people can capture events as they happen. I think of the Japanese Tsunami, was it March 2011, 2012? My, when you sit and watch some of the, the footage of that, frightening. <clears throat> Preventive walls were absolutely useless. The water just poured over the top, onto vehicles and onto roads. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. You can picture the chaos. You can hear the noise. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. So this uh, restless sea. And yet there is a river. The picture changes from chaos to calm. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. A quiet, peaceful river. So a great chaos and 
you have a great calm and you have great company. Verses 7 and 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. That's a great company. But in verse 1, we have a great confidence. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And I apply this psalm in this way. Sometimes our lives can be like verses 2 and 3. Thrown into chaos. Everything's nice and calm and and going peaceful. The family's well. The health is well. Everything's well. And then all of a sudden, bang. Things are not so well. And you take suddenly ill. And maybe that illness is life changing. Maybe you hear news of something within the family that's not good. And our lives are thrown into chaos. But in the midst of it all. We can know the peace of God that passes all understanding. There is a river. It's because we're at a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. The earth is removed. In verse 2. The mountains are carried into the midst of the sea. The mountains shake with its swelling thereof. But the city of God will not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. Do you know anything about this river? The river satisfaction. And you know that none but Christ can satisfy. And you know something of the river solace. That you know the peace of God in the midst of the storms of life. You know the, mid, the, the peace of God that Passes all understanding. And one has said it is no boisterous ocean. But a placid stream. It is not stead in its course by earthquakes or crumbling mountains. It follows its serene course without disturbance. Happy are they who know from their own experience. That there is such a river of God. The beloved Psalm 23 and verse 2. He leads me beside the still waters. The psalmist is at this river. Still waters. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. And what is this city of God but the people of God? So we have the river satisfaction and we have the river solace. In Psalm 65 and verse 9, we'll be singing from Psalm 65. Psalm 65 and verse 9, we have the river sufficiency. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it 
Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. This is a psalm that you'd often hear around harvest time, around October time, November time. Thou, uh, verse 10, thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settest, thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. And thy paths drop abundance. The seasons are in God's hands. He, he organizes the rain fall when it rains. How much water to send. And that's what this verse is about. God visits the earth. He waters it. He, he greatly enriches it with the river of God. With the river, with the showers that provide the harvest. We enjoy our fruit and vegetables. Most of the food that we eat comes from the ground. We depend upon the rain to grow the crops and so on. This verse can be paraphrased from the fountain of God, which is in the heavens, which is full of the rainstorms of blessing. You will prepare their cornfields. The supply of water to refresh the earth. God's provision for the supply of rain is inexhaustible. There is no bottom or shore to this river. So says Spurgeon. Psalm 104 verse 13. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. Psalm 147 verse 8. Who covers the heavens with clouds. Who prepares rain for the earth. Always looking to God. And thanking him for supplying us. With our needs and with our food. So this is the river sufficiency. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. We come out of the Psalms, we can come to Psalm, or sorry, Proverbs 21 and verse 1. So we have the river uh, satisfaction, the river solace, the river sufficiency. We can call this the river sovereignty. Proverbs 21 and verse 1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Do you ever see an aerial view of some rivers that don't run in a straight line? Sure they, don't. they can be all over the place. They can come back on itself and then 
come away from itself again. Water will always find its own course. This is the river of sovereignty. The king's heart. One who has such sway. One who can make decisions. But the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. It was a king who wrote these words, Solomon. There are many kings in the Bible. There are kings of Israel and Judah. There are pharaohs. There are kings of Israel's neighbors, Nebuchadnezzar, Herods and so on. And when you see how the Lord worked in their lives. How the Lord changed them. How the Lord changed decisions. Because God will work all things after the counsel of his own will. Psalm 115 verse 3. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Now, of course, we are responsible for our own actions. But God will use often those actions to accomplish his own will. Look at, look at the pharaohs. Look at the pharaoh at the time of, uh, of Moses and, and the Exodus. Kept changing his mind. Was going to let Israel go. And then when one plague passed. And everything was all right again. He decided not to let them go. And then another plague. God sent another plague. And why was it all for? What was it all about? Romans chapter 9 tells us. That through this Pharaoh God showed his glory. He didn't know it at the time. God will show and declare his glory through whomever he likes. Look at Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. Look how the Lord changed this man's life. In Daniel chapter 4. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. And even modern day leaders. God can act in their hearts the same as here. Oh they mightn't know what's going on. They just might think that they've made a good decision. But the Bible tells us what is going on. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. God is sovereign. I want to say uh, uh, despots may plan and armies may march and the congresses of the nations may seem to think that they are adjusting all the affairs of the world but the mighty men of the world are only the dust of the chariot wheels of God's providence. The river satisfaction and the river solace 
and the river sufficiency and the river uh, sovereignty. Let's come to the New Testament, the John chapter 7. We have the river spirit. John chapter 7, 37 to 39. Well-known verses these are. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly, out of his heart, out of his inner being, shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. What a verse is that, 38. What a thought-provoking verse. He that believeth on me, have, haven't you believed in Christ? Have you believed in Christ? As the scripture hath said, out of his belly, out of his inner being, shall flow rivers, not a river, rivers of living water. The last day of the feast, this was the Jewish feast of tabernacles, lasted for a week. People relaxed and rested after the harvest. This was Jesus' invitation because of man's Condition. Man is a thirsty being. We're thirsty. We're always looking for, for more. Again, it's a figurative river. We're always looking for more. We want to be satisfied. We want to be contented. People of the world are never contented. They're always looking for more. They're looking for it in a bottle or a syringe or a, or a pill or a relationship. Always looking for more. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. This is Jesus' invitation because of man's condition. I want to say it, thirst, like, like hunger, is something of which we are acutely conscious. It is a craving for that which is not in our actual possession. There is a soul thirst as well as a bodily. So many thirst for that which cannot satisfy them. Their thirst is for the things of the world, pleasure, money, fame, ease, self-indulgence and so on. Jesus' invitation because of man's condition, but we have Jesus' satisfaction because of the Spirit's habitation. But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive. We believe and we receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He was given on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But it's not everybody has the Holy Spirit. It's a limited habitation. It's only those who believe. He is the Holy Spirit. 
and the Spirit is pictured as rivers. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And it's, it's not just to do you good, but it's to do others good. From you will flow rivers of living waters to other people's benefits. It's personal blessing and people blessing. Again, somebody has said, um, I should take note of where I get these quotes from. The believer should not be like a sponge, taking in but not giving out, but like a spring, ever fresh, and giving forth. Not only is the believer himself satisfied, but he overflows with that which satisfies others. And the very fact that it's in the plural here, rivers, it, it suggests abundance. We're always giving out. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Do you know that yourself? Do you know the benefit of others? As the scripture has said, as the scripture hath said, and the Bible uses water Oh, we could turn to many more texts this morning, but the Bible uses water to, to show us this. Isaiah 12 and verse 3, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Not a well, but wells. Again, implies abundance. There's plenty of it. There's plenty to go round. And we do it with joy. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Isaiah 43 and 20. I, I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Chapter 58 verse 11 of Isaiah. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. These are precious scriptures. Lastly, we've been to the river satisfaction, the river solace, the river sufficiency, the river sovereignty, the river spirit. Let me show you the river special. The very last chapter of the Bible. Revelation 22 verses 1 and 2. Chapters 21 and 22 is the final state. Everything is finished. This is the final state. What an interesting study Revelation chapters 21 and 22 is. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water. Now, this is not an earthly river. This is in the next life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as crystal. 
proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The first five rivers can be enjoyed in this life. But this river belongs to the final eternal state. This is in the next life. This is paradise. This is Eden restored. The tree of life that we had in our initial reading in Genesis chapter 22, or uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 2, the tree of life. We don't read of that tree again until Revelation 22 and verse 2. In the midst of the street of it and on, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life. That's the second time that we read of this tree of life. In the very last chapter. Man was not allowed to eat from the tree in Eden because sin prevented him. But now he can eat it again. It's mentioned in chapter 2 of Revelation verse 7. To him who overcomes I will give to eat from the tree of life. Which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Just three times. I said twice. I'm sorry. Three times. But this is heaven. How literal this is. We don't know. It remains to be seen. But what a description of this river. A pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. This is heaven, friends. And one has said, what man lost by sin in the Garden of Eden were apparently the fruit of the tree of life signified fullness of life and immunity to death is now restored in Christ to him that overcomes sin who is to enjoy all the fullness of life paradise is the place of the tree of life which is the full possession of the victorious saints in their final redeemed state paradise is the garden of life where the redeemed will join God to enjoy the fullness of eternal life and glory forever. Dear friends, if I am to meet you at this river, I have to meet you at the other five. I must meet you at the river uh, Satisfaction. That you are drawing from God the, what satisfies you in this life. Not the world, but God. I must meet you at the river Solus, 
where you know the peace of God in the midst of the, of the chaos and the storms of life. I must meet you at the river sufficiency where you thank God for, for what he supplies. I must meet you at the river sovereignty where you see the sovereign hand of God in all things. That there's no such thing as, as fate or luck or chance. That's the way the world talks. But providence, God in control. We mightn't understand all that's going on personally and nationally and so on. But we just leave it all with God. He knows. I must meet you at that river. And I must meet you at the river spirit. That from you flow rivers of living water. That will bless me. In being in your company. And it will be mutual. Then I will meet you at the special river. The river special. This is a unique river. This is in heaven. I will meet you there. I'm not sure if this has been a sermon or a study. Maybe both. But I trust and pray it will have been a blessing to our hearts and lives. And we are going to sing Psalm 65 verses 5 to 10 to the tune Dunfermline. Psalm 65, 5 to 10. O God of our salvation, thou in thy righteousness be fearful works by fearful works unto our prayers, then answer dost express. Verse 9. The earth thou visitest, watering it, thou makest it rich to grow with God's full flood. Thy corn preparest when thou providest it so. Because it doesn't mention the river here. It mentions God's full flood. Because rivers can flood. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So we'll just leave that.